Hi, I'm Felicity and welcome to We Are YA, The Check-In, a weekday chat with young adult authors. We're checking in and seeing how your favourite YA authors are doing at home during this very unique time and, of course, talking about their books. My guest today is Patrice Caldwell. Patrice is a graduate of Wesley College and the founder and fundraising chair of People of Colour in Publishing, a grassroots organisation dedicated to supporting, empowering and uplifting racially and ethnically marginalised members of the book publishing industry. Born and raised in Texas, Patrice was a children's book editor before shifting to be a literary agent at Howard Moreham Literary Agency. She's been named a Publishers Weekly Star Watch honoree and featured on Bustle's inaugural Lit List as one of 10 women changing the book world. Patrice is the editor of A Phoenix First Must Burn, 16 stories of black girl magic, resistance and hope. Patrice, welcome to the show. Ah, hi, so happy to be here. Yay. First of all, I have to ask, where am I speaking to you from? Yeah, so I'm currently in Dallas, Texas. Okay. And what's the vibe like there in terms of everything that's happening? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. We just like opened um, our first, like, I think Javits version of hospital. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's like, you know, we're, we're all, we have a stay at home and they can actually like arrest people. And I, I think it's more like fighting people, but you're not right. supposed to drive places. I'm literally going to drive to Austin tomorrow to go back home. <laughs> Because I'm busy, my mom. Um, but yeah, so, but you're not really supposed to like go anywhere. And um, yeah, you know, the grocery stores are out of everything. So well, yeah, I think that's, I think that's pretty common everywhere. That's great. <laughs> I mean, I feel like YA people will keep going. Yeah, we've been training for this for a while. We're ready. Yeah, no, I mean, and... yeah, the, the, exactly. <laughs> I, I grew up reading dystopian novels. <laughs> we kind of saw this coming. Um, but 2020 in general has been a bit of a year for you in terms of like, that, that, I almost want to say that's it. That's the question. But <laughs> it, it must be a really wild ride for you of emotions as, as this year has gone on. And it's only it's only April. Yeah, no, it's it's been really weird. You know, I think it's one of those things where I, you know, also I think it really helps to work in the industry because, you know, having a book come out and then having all this stuff happen. And then it's not to say I t- care about my book, but I think you kind of get some perspective where you realize like, yeah. oh, like. I mean, I've always known that a career is like a long term thing, but also I think it helps in that you're just like, there's just so much else going on in the world, you know, and I think I feel Mm -hmm. really grateful that I'm like financially stable and I'm able to work. And I mean, I have had, you know, sure, I feel like it definitely had some moments of like despair, but I think for the most part, like I'm been able to work and write. And so that's like really nice and comforting to know that I'm actually still able to produce something and when a lot of my friends are like really struggling yeah and I think the book community particularly your book had just come out it was a March the 10th yeah um, it's literally just came out just just as it came out it sort of all started to happen but I think the book community really rallied around your book particularly yeah. in terms of understanding understanding its importance definitely definitely I definitely think so and I think like the messages I've received from readers have shown that you know a lot of people have like I think it was really great because even like that we did like this um you, you did like a blogger mailing but I feel like even a lot of the Instagrammers who had it have gone back and like really read it and have like mm-hmm. DM'd me and left mm-hmm. me really nice messages. You know, I think there's not really a day that goes by that I don't get some sort of really, really personal message from someone. And I oh. think, yeah, it's been really nice. So I, you know, I feel like if anything, I'm a lot more concerned about like the debut novelists who have like their first novel come out. Like I can, this yeah. must be like a really, I think, depressing stressful. and stressful process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, book community will rally, I believe. No, I mean, I I think people still need books. And I also, what I've been telling people is like, you know, like, 
book is a long-term thing. Like I've had friends who have books come out and they haven't gotten attention to the paperback. It's like, you know, a book continues to be promoted. Yeah. It's a book isn't done being promoted until it's out of print. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, hundred percent. Well, but for those who are hearing about your book, a Phoenix first must burn for the first time. Yeah. Can you tell everyone what it's about? Right. So it's, um, we kind of, it's like Beyonce's lemonade meets Octavia Butler. <laughs> so it's, you know, science fiction and fantasy. Um, all the stories are like technically like standalone stories, but they are linked in this narrative of like talking about the black experience, but through the eyes of um, black women and gender nonconforming authors and it's centering, you know, stories so you know you have stories that take place um you know with enslaved people like with a rebellion and then you have stories that take place like in like hollywood with like a girl who's an actress mm-hmm. who finds out she plays a witch she finds out she's actually a witch in real life you know there's like this range of stories um in different settings you have black mirror s tales you have wild western like things it's it's um it's just like almost every setting you can think of but they all um are like black girls like kicking butt and then also ending in hope you know so mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. no it's it's an amazing list of authors that yeah you that was well no exactly. like, Rebecca, <laughs> like I, I there's just so many great names what was that process like of just sort of assembling this dream team right yeah so I mean you know I think I've got very lucky we um Liz Elizabeth Acevedo and I talked about this at the DC event which was like the last event I got to do on tour and um we were talking about how you know part of it was just like when I had the idea, I was talking to friends, and I remember talking to Danielle Clayton a lot about this, who's one of the contributors. And um, one of the big things was like, okay, you know, I knew a lot of these people. It's a smaller community. It was a, it was an even smaller author community then in 2018, 20 into 2017 mm-hmm. when I was putting this together. And um, you know, it was just like really like texting people and being like, hey, I have this idea. Like, you know me, trust me, let's do this together. And then you know. Um, I, I mean, it was literally me like sliding into people's DMs, texting people, <laughs> um, like, and, you know, getting people to like say, yeah, sure. And um, then sending them a longer like pitch, which, which is kind of also some, it's a modified version of the thing that ended up going out to publishers on submission, which is basically like talking about like why this is important and how I wanted all the stories to end in hope because I feel like black characters don't always get that kind of, I feel like Mm -hmm. it's often a lot of pain, but you don't actually see like the hope thread. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these authors were like kind of up and coming at the time, which is kind of funny to believe. Like, you know, Liz was talking about how even then she was still saying no to Mm -hmm. anthology. So for sure, like some of them were hard to get at the time or they were saying no to other things. But I think the the way she put it was, I think, the way a lot of people had put it was that, you know, there was a certain amount of trust. A lot of people knew me and um, they all kind of felt like this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity, which is the way I felt like I feel. And I've said this before, even if I was able to do something like this again um, in terms of focusing on black, you know, black girl magic tales, I don't think, I think like this contributor, you know, they're kind of like mm. the OG YA. They're, they're gonna, I think they're going to become that, you know, of like YA yeah. oh, yeah. fantasy, right? You know, like these people, it's like, I, there's no way. They're so busy right now. I just don't know how I would replicate this. So I think I'm very grateful that everyone kind of came together and it kind of felt like this like sister siblinghood um, thing that we created, which was amazing. That's the best thing about it, you know? It's like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was it for you in terms of like the process of when you had to then, edit their stories was there any sense of like 
nervousness or fear of giving feedback to some of these, like, as you said, emerging names in the community of mm. YA? Like, were you like, oh, my God, I can't say that to Elizabeth Acevedo. Oh, no, I, I was so that. excited. <laughs> I, you know, I my <laughs> first, like, job in publishing, I was an editor. So for me, this was like an editor's, like, fangirl dream because I was, I'm actually mm-hmm, fans. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't choose anyone, you know. It's I guess it so happened that all the authors are also big names, but it, they also were people who I was like genuinely a fan of, you know, and so mm-hmm. I think one of the best moments came from Danielle, who been friends for a long time, like I just like she's almost like a sister to me. And I feel like we um she tweeted like after I did her edits she was like you know I realized after this was all over I've never been edited by a black woman and I think the questions Patrice asked like made me think about my story and so many other things in like this unique way Mm. I felt like I became a better editor and writer through that experience you know I got I've never been able to have conversations like that with people you know so frankly or just things like I don't know I was talking Danny Laura they brought up how you know, they could say stuff like hair braiding and all these different things. And I just yeah. knew what it was, you know? So I think it was an amazing experience. I think it pushed my craft. I think um, as an editor, you know, I've, I've always fully believed that like the part the editorial process is about trust. So you kind of don't mm-hmm. turn to it, in my opinion, at least you shouldn't. I think talking, you know, if, if you get notes from someone, you know, if someone has, is like giving notes on your work, they should, you should already trust them. Right. And if you don't trust them, then you shouldn't be sending them your work. And I think like, that's part of the thing. So when, to me, when I give notes to someone, it's like that trust and understanding of like, I care about this thing. I care about you. So these notes are supposed to help. And so I trust that they're going to take my notes seriously and, you know, know that, you know, I mean, some people, I remember like Danielle was like, this is the last round. Right. And I was like, I was like, so could you just, it's like, you know, and it's like that kind of thing where you're like, just trust me. Like it's going to be worth it, you know? Uh, And so I think of anything, I guess the, the, maybe the scariness came in that I was like, well, I really hope, because the thing is some, some of the stories came in and you didn't, you know, I think something about editor, you have to have faith as an editor, you know, it's like, I didn't know mm-hmm. how some of them would end up. Some of them came in and I was like, okay, this needs a lot of work. It's like, I see where you're going, but it's like super not there yet. Um, but we kind of had to have like kind of faith and trust that we could get there. And then we did. And um, it's been great to see the reviews that, um, Pick, that like I think almost every story has gotten like called out in a different review and so that's great oh yeah she wants I'm like oh my god like you didn't think you could do this and look at this person said about your story you know like that's, that's oh been really look at you mama editor it is it's been like I feels like a community thing I I loved it and well, so then what was it like for you to turn the tables and be a writer in this process, to be a contributor of your own story? Yeah. How was that? That was funny. You know, so, so the whole thing about this is like, I signed with my agent. It's like, I, I've always thought of myself as a novelist. I queried and wrote about five novels before getting my agent. And then um, I was working on a novel. And then it was just a thing where I was like, I feel like we have to do this anthology now. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I remember when it happened, my then editor, Kendra, she had asked me, I said I would write a story. I joked in my way that I was like, you'll have vampires. And um, <laughs> I think, you know, Kendra was like, okay, and, you know, I want you to write a story. And then I finally was like, you know, I'm really busy, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then I left editorial at the end of 2018. And Kendra sent me this email being like, so I know that because you left your job, you don't suddenly have more free time. But do you maybe have enough free time to write a story? And Kendra's just so amazing. And I think it was, right, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. I feel like part of the editorial process also is like, you know, 
I think she did an amazing job talking up the book and how she's been such a great advocate from day one. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I kind of owed this to her. Like I felt like I owed it to her to try. And so mm -hmm. um, hilarious, funny, the funny story about this is like Arvin, we were, I was in Paris. I went on this like eat, pray, love month of like, I have to find myself if I'm not an editor, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> and my friend Arvin Amati, he came and joined me. That, oh, uh, yeah, that guy, that guy right? Um, um, this was, I think that, I don't know, maybe this was before or after his blonde phase, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he joined me and I remember this, I got him this croissant and he was like having this emotional experience with this croissant. He was like, this is the best croissant I've ever had in my life. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a shower. And I scream. And I think he like ran up and I was like, don't come in. I'm naked. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, and I was like, but I need you to remember this. And I start dictating the story. <laughs> oh yeah, my I was gosh. like, I think I've been having what that's amazing. It is. I think what happened was, you know, that thing where you're you're just blocked because you're thinking about something all the time. And then yes. finally I was in the, you know, it was like it was like I finally was just like in the shower and I was like, I need to figure this out. I I had literally a week to like figure all the things out about it. Um, because at this point, all the other stories were in. I had no time to write mine. And I was like, what would your younger self have wanted? And then it kind of came to me. I was like, there's a vampire outside the window. There's a girl, all this stuff and all the details of her room kind of like, and then it just like, it, it happened in like an instant. The story came to me and I've, wow. I've almost never had this. Like, it was like this amazing experience where it just like flowed. Um, and I think if anything, the, my experience of writing the story and Kendra editing it and all this stuff made me realize that sometimes you have to trust your work and sometimes you have to kind of let go. And I think that's what I do more in my own writing. Like I'm much more willing to trust the time it takes for things to come together and to be like, okay, yeah. like sometimes, and I've noticed that my best ideas come when I'm walking, when I'm not thinking about writing, you know, and, and I'm just like telling myself, I'm going to write the story for myself, you know? That's a, that's a great tip for aspiring mm -hmm. writers out there too, is to not try and force something if it's not Yeah, working. you it's can't. I had a completely yeah. different story idea. You know, I think you, but it just wasn't working and I don't think you can force something that's not working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of sort of forcing something that wasn't working, <laughs> this is an odd segue, but your tour was unfortunately yeah. cut short. So that was, <laughs> that's good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was, you did get managed mm -hmm. to get a few events in before everyone had to sort of go home. What was there any really special moments that you felt touring this book particularly? I mean, you said you get yeah. along of messages from fans now, but seeing people in person, was there a different energy to that? You know, room? there was just ama there were, there were amazing experiences all around. You know, I think the New York events were just phenomenal. It felt like, first of all, all these events, like you know, it felt like hanging out. Well, they they are friends, so it was like me getting to hang out with friends. You know, it's like friends I see often, friends I don't get to see often. I think you know, all the events were packed, which was I think amazing because this was like it was starting to get reports of like that and like I remember the morning of maybe it was the story event or no I think it was like the strand event I mm -hmm. was getting messages from people strand, being like sorry yeah. I just don't feel comfortable coming out and and it was like wow. so hard like I remember being like what's the point maybe we should just cancel it um and Danielle was like people are gonna show up like it's gonna be fine and you know I think that's about having faith yeah. in people and like it did like you know people showed up it was amazing we signed all these copies the Astoria book event was hilarious and packed as well um <laughs> And it was just also the booksellers, you know, like um, Christian, who I've known for years, who works at Astoria Books. Um, he was just fantastic and phenomenal and like held it down. And then, um, you know, the Strand Book team was just amazing. And then East City Books, I, I had they've been following me online for a, for a while before I think this book. And um, 
So it was really great to meet them. And it was really funny. So Liz and I, you know, it's great to see her. We, you know, I don't get to see her often. And that was really great. And it was just like, it felt like we were just hanging out. There were so many teens in the audience, which was amazing. And she's so good with kids. It was one of the things where I was like, oh, this is why I'm never having kids. (laughs) But it was like, she's so, like, I love talking to teens. But I feel like the way in which she was just so, like, you know, coaxing them out of their shell and being like, oh, you have something to say. Like, go ahead and say it. I was like, oh, my God, this is so beautiful. And, um, you know, it was just like all the questions we met, I met, I got to meet like other authors who have books coming out, um, who were like, Oh my God, I love this. This is like, and it was great to see like debut authors who were like black debut authors who were like, this is amazing. I can't believe I get to have this. And like, you know, talking to them as well. And, um, we signed so many copies, which was great. And I also think it was funny because, you know, we talked about the book, but then we also just got to hang out. Like we talked about, um, someone asked someone at one point I brought up romance novels and like books I read when I was younger that I probably shouldn't have been reading, but I turned out fine. <laughs> and like Anne Rice and like Stephen King and all these romance novels. Yeah. And then, she, and then someone was like, so can I ask you about your favorite romance novels? So me and Liz with a room full of teens, like half a room full of teens, we were just like, so now we're going to talk about our favorite Regency novels. <laughs> But it was like so great. You know, I think I felt like we actually got to know people, which I think when I talk to people about tours, like you never know how many people are going to show up. But I think that's what everyone across the board says is the best thing. It's like that in-person contact, but getting to like, you know, um, like I feel like I I already know I want to do events there again. You know, that kind of those relationship building things. Right. It was just really amazing to get to talk to people in person about all these things that have been in my head for so long. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with tours and events particularly that we're so excited of when they come back is that it doesn't matter the size mm-hmm. of the audience, it's the connections mm-hmm. that you make. And there's so many Especially great connections Especially with any booksellers. Like those connections can like, oh, yeah, 100%. help your career forever. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously fans have questions because <laughs> I put the call out and people came in with questions. So I had to narrow it down. So I'm sorry no. if we don't get your questions answered, but we're trying to get everybody's mm. in. So let's go first to Twitter. There's some great questions. We have Maya Gittleman, who has asked a lot of questions to our authors, and she's I've been doing the job better she's than I am. A, I've known Maya for years. She's been a supporter of this book from day one. She has been supporting the podcast as well with some great questions. So she wants to know, she's got two parts, and I love them both, so she's going to get them both in. What is one of your favourite elements of vampire mm. stories? And... Do you want the okay, I'll take, it, I'll take, take the first one. Part one because I have a horrible memory. Okay, um, you know, I think this is so <laughs> cheap, but I wrote about this in my story. It's like my short story in Phoenix actually does have a vampire, and um, yeah, I think there's something about vampires. You know, thinking about there was this review of the Phoenix First Ones Burn. I think it was like Washington City Paper or something like that that talked about how the book, the stories in the book took monstrosity and kind of flipped it and like we made monsters the protagonists and these people who are usually you know ignore they're monstrous we made them like heroes right and I had never thought of the mm-hmm, anthology mm-hmm. in that way but it's true like I think that's what I love about vampires is like the idea that you're taking people who are loners who are misunderstood by society and in some ways even if they're if they're like it's a horror book or if it's like a romance you're framing them as these kind of like heroes or you're centering them in some way you know and I think as someone who didn't really feel understood growing up, I think that's something I've always related to about vampires is like the like emotionalness, the lonerness, the idea of like being apart from not fitting in. Like I feel like something about vampires is like, it's they're so um, relatable because I think we all kind of have that within us, that idea of like 
sometimes you don't fit in and sometimes you feel like an outcast and what if it was even worse like what if you lived for years and you got to watch you had to watch everyone you love die and what if you know you were cursed to like all these different things like I think it's like mm-hmm. super super relatable and I think it's very clear like you know if it's Dracula if it's like you know <laughs> Vampire Academy like no matter what it is Amazing. like <laughs> vampires are there's some relatability in that idea of like something in the shadows or something that's just not quite right within yourself. Yeah, no, it's perfect. And then her other great question is how do you go about creating the order of stories mm. in your anthology? Which I think is really Okay, great so this question. is kind of a spoiler, but I, I said it at an event, so it's fine. Um, so the order of the stories and the anthology are in chronological order. So when we were trying to figure this out, we were like, should we do it by like types of stories? But then there ended up being like too many of one kind. It just didn't make sense. But we thought about it. And it again, like Beyonce's Lemonade, I was listening to Lemonade on a loop. I kid you not. And I was thinking about how they all flow into each other. And I remember telling Kim I was like but somehow I was like I feel like these stories have a natural link and we just need to find it and um it ended up being chronological so if you read story you mm-hmm. understand and, and it's the first one because at first you might be like why is this aim- if it's chronological why is this like sci-fi like space opera whatever story like um it's not really space opera but why is this sci-fi story um first well it's first because it's like actually the first one based on like what happens in the end of her story and then it goes all the way yeah. um to Jalisa's story which is like this like near future black mirror-esque story oh, smart 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 Okay, the other question from Twitter was from Fatima, who is at mm-hmm. Buy It Bookshelf. Um, and she wanted to know, what is your favorite thing about the YA um, okay. genre? Uh, what I love about YA, um, okay, I feel like someone's going to say, okay, yes. I will say, like, as a denim being that I think YA is more of a category than a genre. Uh, this but is true, This yeah. is a great question. And um, what I love most about YA is I think, you know, what other – what other thing is like center teen girls, you know? Um, like, you know, I, I mm-hmm. definitely think why mm-hmm. it has a long way to go still in terms of representation. Um, but I think like mm-hmm. the coolest thing to me about YA was being a young girl and um, getting that experience, like first and foremost of like something that I felt like was speaking to me. And I think it's so great now that we're getting, you know, more stories that are queer, stories that are like centering trans characters. I'm really excited as an addendum for mm-hmm. Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas. I feel the need to shout that out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this YA paranormal centering a trans boy. And it is so amazing. Um, and but okay. yeah, I feel like you know the thing is like YA center is for teens, right? And I think that's the thing when conversations come up about is it too old? Was it this? It's like well, is it like is the main reader a teen? Like I think even if they're adult readers, like that's what I love about YA. I think YA has done some really genre bending stuff that in the conversations we're having right now about diversity and things like that are pushing other um, categories as well. Um, you know, I feel like we're also kind of at this point where we're seeing like so many things like wilder girls which is like you know amazing and super genre bending and yeah I feel like YA can do anything and I think there's nothing better and more empowering Mm. to me than writing for teens um you know and I I love that yeah that's a good answer that's a great answer all right, from Instagram, I've narrowed it down to two, but there were quite a few. Uh, the first one is from... Oh, B- my God. <laughs> yes, but great. Worm is spelled W... Any, d- any w- question y- she asks, Vazzy gets the answer. 
did you have a favorite black girl SFF character growing up in books or movies? I, or I don't even think I did. Um, oh, wait, hey, that's okay. This is not. Um, I love Akasha <laughs> from Queen of the Damned. <laughs> yeah, so for oh, me, like that was the first yes. thing I picked up on was in Queen of the Damned. When she's talking about it, it's like very clear that it's like it's pulled from like Egyptian mythology and all this stuff, I believe, and um, like ish. And I was like, oh, she's like this queen is a, like a black woman. Like the first vampire in her mythology was. A black woman that's super freaking awesome and then i honestly i love the queen of the damn movie even if it's trash because it's Aaliyah's last movie our last thing and she's not really an actress but yeah <laughs> I exactly i love that movie and the soundtrack is the best soundtrack in the world um but yeah mm-hmm. no i for mm-hmm. me that was like i love vampires and i think she's just but also because she's like it's like you don't get to see black women like that you know in roles where they're mm-hmm. like villainous they're like horrible she's a horrible person and it's delightful and she knows she's horrible right she's not someone who's like she's not a villain who's like trying to be redeemed she's like no i'm going to take what i want when i want she literally kills her husband you know it's like all these different things like i think it's like just she wants power and she's like unabashedly like you know unashamed of like wanting that power and to me that is like amazing i love her yeah i i grew up reading and like you know watching like star trek and all stuff right lord of the rings all those things but i never was really a massive fan of the few black characters in like star trek or star wars um and so yep. like twilight you know it's like so for me like that's that's what i remember mm-hmm. okay and this next question is from where blue meets white and he would like to know is how would Samantha and Corey cope oh my God, is this with James? falling in love during quarantine? <laughs> okay, it is James. how would Samantha and Corey cope with what? Uh, falling in oh love with, during quarantine. Uh, so Samantha and um, so these are I think uh, the, the um, I'm like literally getting this from people from my short story in Phoenix. Um, I don't, you know, I think they'd be fine. Like it's like you know, um, they have to find a place to hide out. But um, yeah, you know, I think like. It would just be like they'd have like lots of you know actually what I think would happen. <laughs> I think like it'd be like because one of them's a vampire, <laughs> one's human, and so I think um and one's up the human is obsessed with like vampire stuff. I think <laughs> she'd show her all this vampire stuff, like all her favorite vampire stuff, and then she'd be like, um, that's false, um, that's false, and she'd be like, wow, that's what you really <laughs> think of us. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what would happen. Is it would be like this hilarious thing where she's like, okay, and now we're gonna watch Blade, and she'd be like, oh my god, why am I dating this girl? <laughs> I, I yeah. kind of want to see yeah. it yeah. I, kinda would, I totally would read it <laughs> well very good answering of all those questions now let's move to the checking questions which is kind of about all your right. life at home right now so work from home life right. for you is not new what have been your successes or failures not even now but like mm. when you were first setting up yeah so when I, for yourself yeah, sorry, sorry. and I was gonna say, and do you have any from that? Do you have any right. tips or suggestions? So for people? when I it's gonna be a little deep. When I first um, started, I had a horrible time. Like I feel like I was someone who was just super on it, and then suddenly, mm-hmm. like everything went. Like I just started struggling. I could never time would go by. I wouldn't get a single task done. I just felt like I was like I felt like I was like who am I? Mm-hmm. And around that same time, I've been going to therapy, and my therapist was like, "Have you considered um, that?" She, like you know, she brought up ADHD, and I was like, "Okay, that's what like." 
angry little white boys do when they bang their head on the wall. I was like, I don't have ADHD. I'm fine. <laughs> um, and she and then she just kept like casually bringing it up. And then it like got into my head and I started reading all these articles about women who have ADHD and how it manifests super different because of the things we're taught as women. And so finally yeah. I got tested and all this stuff and I have ADHD. Um, so that was like, suddenly everything in my life has made sense. Like <laughs> it was like a really hard experience. Cause I was like, Oh my God, like, Oh, that's why this happened. That's probably why in college, like I did worse than I've ever done in my entire life. And I was super high achieving. And then all this stuff happened. And then and it, it kind of made sense every time in my life I've lost structure. It's like kind of falling apart. Right. Um, and these yeah. transition periods between like college to like working my first job, all those things like that. And so then, um, yeah, I got into a routine and we like, we started working through all this different stuff and, now it's like what happened to me it's like I feel like one when I'm working I think I've accepted you know I think the cool thing about ADHD the cool thing about ADHD is like there are a lot of people who are like entrepreneurs and inventors who have ADHD and so I kind of started seeing it for me that was how I you know dealt with it was seeing it as a strength rather than a weakness and so you know I yeah my biggest thing is like when I'm working I turn off my internet like I think people who need me I turn off my wi-fi I feel like if people who need me always have my phone number right so usually there's nothing I mean this even right. happened where I did it one time and like Vanessa my publicist she texted me it's like you know it's like so I know those people can get a hold of me if they need to um so I turn off my internet right. because I know that I'm gonna get distracted turn off my internet and I work and then my thing is like if I'm if it's like a normal day and I'm fine then I just work as normal um and I usually set my day it's like half of the day I do like agent stuff half day I do writing uh I take a break in between I gotta try to go on a walk um but if I'm having like a really bad day like a mental health day I do it in segments so I do 20 minutes so I work for mm -hmm. 20 minutes and then I take a break I make myself get up and take a break um I work for 20 more minutes and then it, and I do that for as long until I really feel like I'm like in the zone and then when I'm in the zone I allow myself to like just work without the thing but I think doing it in short things and I I always switch it from um what do you call it from like I guess task to like a time so normally uh, I work by task I'm like hey you need to yeah. get this done but then Otherwise, I will switch to being like, you just need to work for 30 minutes, you know, right now. Or and I and I go step by step and be like, you just yeah. need to like get ready for the day. So you need to shower and all stuff. And then you need to just like, you know, do 30 minutes of this. And the other thing I do, which I understand is not everyone's thing, is like for me, it's like a mental thing. I make myself get up and change clothes. So I put on like jeans That's, and a t-shirt, yeah. anything. It doesn't have to be super, but just like, and I sit down at a table and I work. Um, and then I change this is like my therapist suggestion and then I change and then at like around 5 p.m or whatever I switch into like lounge clothes as a way of signaling to my brain that like yeah. it's a different time um and I felt like I needed that because again I worked in an office for so long and that's obviously like what happened like I would leave and go home um I work a shorter day now because I think actually if in my opinion when you work from home I actually feel like I work I'm more productive. Um, and so I feel like I know right. like part of the ADHD is like, I could just hyper-focus for like when I get in the zone, it's like, I can forget about everything. And so I make myself stop at like five or six, unless I really need to do like a certain thing. Um, because usually I've been working all day, um, you know, and, and then other than that, it's, I think it's just about forgiveness. Like, I think, you know, I think the things I've known to help other people are like the changing clothes thing, the, the setting short time burst, um, but also I think the biggest thing is mm -hmm. like, you just have to forgive yourself. Like if you get on Twitter, like I have to remind myself, I would try to remind myself that, you know, so much of what I do is part of my job, you know, even being aligned to a certain extent. And then also yeah. so much 
of what I do is like, I probably, maybe I just needed a, a break, you know? So if I spend half the day on Twitter or only on my email and don't really do anything else other than answering emails, I probably needed that kind of chill day, you know? So I think a, the biggest thing I do now is yeah. like, just forgive myself. And I'm like, okay, like you had that day. Thursday was like, it's okay. And I think the other thing is like, I used to do this thing where if like, I woke up late, I'd be like, well, the whole day's a wash. So I can't do anything else. And so now yeah, I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. okay, you, it's like, whatever, you couldn't get out of bed until this time. Okay, now you're going to just start your day here, you know? So I think just being really kind with yourself. Um, and that's the advice. I've had a lot of friends asking me that since I work from home normally. And I think that's the biggest advice I've been giving people is like, you have to be really nice to yourself. Like, it's like, this is like a really crazy time and I think it sneaks up on people like you'll be fine and then you're like oh but it's fine I'll just oh no I can't go see my friend oh and then you start having a panic attack I think it's really easy for it to just sneak up on you you know right so I think you have to just be like really gentle with yourself and just like let things go and I think you know I I have a newsletter and I wrote about this like I think you I think if you can afford to do so like I understand that sometimes people's things are tied to certain things but I would say if you can afford to do so ask for an extension. If you're a writer, if you need that extension for a deadline, I would say ask for it. I think if now more than ever, publishers are going to be really understanding. I think also, I will say from my own experience, yeah. I think if like it's a financial thing and the extension is like your DNA, maybe try to like ask your editor if they would release the payment early. They might not be able to, but like, you know, I think like, I think like people are like the most understanding now than they're going to be, you know? So I feel like really, right. oh, I would just try to like let your people know, your agents, whoever, like, and just don't feel like you have to like carry it yourself because like also like the quality of the book is going to be worse, you know? So if you can afford to take more time, I think allow yourself to like ask for that, what you need. Yeah, no, that, oh, that's great suggestions. A lot of them are great. I'm like, oh yes, that one's a good one. I'm writing them all down. <laughs> well, for when, you turn, mm-hmm. when you're turning it off, when you're like relaxing, what are your recommendations for a few categories here? What should people, what have, What would you recommend people read right okay. now? What's well, I read a lot of romance. <laughs> so I read a lot of romance. Um, okay, <laughs> I would say like, so one, this is like a book that's like not out, but I'm going to recommend it anyway because it comes out this summer. Um, the Year of the Witching by Alexis Henderson. Um, it's adult. It's amazing. It's like this mm-hmm. like black mm-hmm. girl in a puritanical society and there's witches and she has to basically like, bring down the patriarchy um it is amazing it is i've read it now twice it is really i am obsessed with it like obsessed obsessed obsessed. um i just did a book list so i'll recommend a couple more things that um um cinderella is dead by caitlin barron i think it also comes out this summer it's about like it's like what if cinderella was like 100 years from now cinderella is dead and um it's like it's like 100 years after cinderella has like met her prince etc etc and all the girls are required to go to a ball to meet this like you know meet a noble man to like you know they marry um but like what if you're queer and you actually are in love with your best friend uh, yeah so there's yeah. And, and then um wow. uh, a, a song of, of race and ruins um ray bear so, so just mm-hmm. to name a few mm-hmm. things that i think are just like really really amazing and um coming out um i also think what are books i always really like jasmine guillory's um romance novel you know i think like yes. really sweet and she has yeah, I'm gonna get this. I've read them. I'm like four of them out, four or five out now. So I think that's like really great to be able to like read through um, a few. Um, Sarah McLean as well. I really love her romance novels. Um, Tessa Dare's Girl McDoot series. I am obsessed with that series. It's like, um, 
because it's like it's just so it's like these like <laughs> women they're all from friends and so it follows each one of them and they all like meet dukes in various ways and um it's just like they're but it's super super feministy and um it's very very feminist like the one, first one is like this girl meets a duke and he's like i need um a wife so marry me and you know she's like okay i'll marry you but over oh, like here's my conditions like you know and it's like because she's not stupid she's like yeah i'm gonna marry a duke for his money <laughs> um and they fall in love you know it's like really great so yeah i really love Aww. like stuff like that um that's just like really warm and fuzzy and i would also say like check out the books if you haven't read any of the novels by the contributors i would say of phoenix first must burn i would highly highly recommend um those because their novels are amazing and i think that like you would i also think that's like between their novels it's like such a wealth of different things that um I would highly recommend it. I also think yeah. if you have mm-hmm. children at home, um, I recommend the Serpent Secret series um, and Tristan Strong um, and yeah. honestly anything on the Rick Riordan Presents mm-hmm. line. Um, I also think, what is the book? I'm totally going to forget it. It's um, Yumi, Yumi, take a, oh my God. Stand up, oh, Yumi Chung. Literally Stand up, hilarious Trump. middle grade. It is so funny um yep. and i highly recommend it i think it just came out um yeah i read it like a while ago it is so it funny it's so refreshing and i think like that is like a must buy middle grade novel it's just delightful so yep those i think would be <laughs> my recs. that's a that's a pretty good rex in there mm-hmm. well then what if, if you're putting the book down for five minutes what is the tv oh shows that people are binging on the, <laughs> binging that help okay. get so i i watched the 100 forever ago and i stopped it because i was like wow this show is like actually crazy <laughs> and then i started it back up yeah. with my mom because yeah. my mom wanted to watch it yeah wow. and so i just started watching um the 100 again like and it was i'm like wow it's actually very good and it's like and because it has the last season comes out this year because it has like six seasons up on netflix like it's like you can binge a lot and if you like teen drama right you can just go through it um Ooh. i'm also really obsessed with legacies yeah. which is the, <laughs> no one's gonna be surprised here it's the vamp it's the, it's the, <laughs> the originals and um vampire diaries like spinoff but it's with all the it's like with the daughter of klaus and it's um amazing it's like a bunch of teens super diverse like a bunch of teens like each are at a boarding school listen it's like a i want this to be a book it's like a bunch of teens at a boarding school and each of them are different supernaturals like what there's like a vampire faction it's so good um i'm obsessed with it i also started watching this show on Netflix called vampires you know it's like <laughs> This is maybe a little thing. I feel it's, like there's um, a theme here. It's a French show. Um, but it's really cool because it also takes place in like a lot of, it really deals also with like the immigrants in Paris. So I feel like it's really interesting the way they wove like the vampire mythology also into like this immigrant community in Paris. Um, and also I would say if you want some trash, Love is Blind is really good. Uh, <laughs> it's a quality show. Trash. You're right. That's it's really quality. Uh, I mean, you're right, you're right. quality. Yeah. No, is I, mean, I tried thing, to watch but... The Circle, which uh, several friends recommended me, but I could not get through that. It's like, it's just too much. It's like people get no, put no, in the room. They're all like, they're all like catfishing each other with social media. It's too much. But Love is Blind. First of all, there's actually some people who end up together and it's very sweet. But then there's like a lot of mess and yep. uh, Jessica. <laughs> but I would say if you haven't yeah, got on the Love is Blind train, like this is the perfect time to lose yourself. And like Netflix also has some really great like cooking shows and reality TV that's just like uh 
total yes. mess. Um, and I think the last thing I'd recommend is uh, Good Girls. I really love it. Um, and it's just really great. Um, and then comedies. I think, you know, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Good Place, um, Schitt's Creek. Those are my go-tos. So all good things yeah all, all, all good things good strong list good strong list well patrice thank you so much for joining me yeah on this was amazing it was like super fun and it was really great to talk about i feel like i just talked about vampires but <laughs> oh but also a phoenix freshman that's, thorn which that's is, i mean overlapping that's... so <laughs> yeah very on brand <laughs> yeah but it's also very on brand so i think you stay stay with what's on brand uh patrice caldwell's book a phoenix first must burn is available from all bookstores and if you're at home it's also mm. available in both and the audiobook is and amazing the audio on your that. favorite platforms